So Pastor Jimmy is here with me uh, to give us a little bit of an update of something that just happened and also let us know what's coming. That's, ex that's exactly right. <clears throat> Excuse me, my voice. <clears throat> wow, it's worse, this one. It, yeah, Roy's been praying for peace around the office. Some prayers do get answered. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, so last week on Thursday, we collected the, the boxes you guys gave, 375 of them, took them to four schools um, in the area, three in Washington Terrace, one in South uh, Weber. When we delivered them, I cannot tell you how excited they were. We'd all start lining up, bringing those boxes in, because it's about 70 to 100 per school. And so we'd stack them up, ask them where they wanted them. All of a sudden, all the teachers would gather around, and they're like, are these for the kids? I'm like, no, they're for you. And I go, your name is on them, and they start crying. I mean, I kid you not. And then there's a coin we gave them with their name personalized on it too. And it was just an incredible moment that, to, that you guys know you make a huge impact in love. Honestly, Christ's love throughout the community. It's actually absolutely beautiful. It's amazing. And we got... What's next? <clears throat> what's next is today, a couple of months ago, I had a call from Ridgewood Mobile Home Park. They're in Layton. And uh, they called us and they're like, hey... I don't know, but we know you guys do some things throughout the community and stuff. Is there any way you can help our kids in our, our mobile home park? They're like, a lot of the families are on fixed incomes. They can't provide as much. They're really struggling. Can you do anything? And I said, what about coats and gloves for Christmas? And she goes, that would be awesome. So today, you can go right through the hub there. Just grab a card, pick up a coat and glove. Not only that, our our children's ministry is providing 150 love give boxes for those kids in that community in addition to what we're doing. So they're buying into what we do too. It's so, so cool. It's a great thing. I think I better stop talking. It is. I think you better get some tea with honey. What do you think? Um, I want to give you an update on our finances with love gives. Two of the projects that have already um, been shared with you, um, have a cost attached to them, feed my starving children. The cost of the supplies and the shipping is 60000 And then Gateway to Victory School, that's to build additional classroom space for all the kids that are going to yep. be sponsored in addition to what they had amounts to 135000 And let me show you where we are right now. We have crossed the $100,000 mark. It's awesome. It's awesome. So thank you, thank you, thank you for being a part of that. That is going to make such a yeah. big difference in this world of you ours. Bet. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you, guys. <laughs> All right. Let's turn our attention to the message for today. We're titling this Outside Looking In. And in the spiritual realm, I think it is easy for us to create categories of people who are on the inside and people who are on the outside. And yet when you look at the life and times of when Jesus was here, he blows up the categories that we often create. But we live in a world where a lot of times it's that way, right? To belong to the club, you got to pay your dues, right? And you got to be at the meetings and you got to do all the things that come along with it. And if you don't, well, then you're on the outside looking in. But when you look at the disciples, the students that Jesus chose when he was here during his three years of public ministry, you find that he chose some of the most unusual suspects. I mean, he chose people who were really high on themselves and really thought 
honestly, too much of themselves. There were a couple of brothers, and one day they're walking down the street having this conversation about which one of them is going to be the greatest in the kingdom when Jesus establishes it here, because we're walking with this guy, Jesus. We think the train is headed in that direction, and when this all goes public and it all becomes, you know, what everybody's aware of, which one of us is going to be the greatest? Because after all, we're better, the two of us, than the rest of these guys. And Jesus chose them. He chose some people who were studying and taking God very seriously. But something that comes along with that is a temptation that when we get real serious about God, we can get a little bit judgy about people who are not. And we're serious and we're studying, but they're not, so we're better, they're worse. Jesus chose people like that. He also chose somebody like Peter. And I don't know if you know anything about Peter, but Peter had a reputation for speaking first and thinking later and putting his foot in his mouth over and over again. And have you ever had that experience of words coming out? You're like, no, but I can't take it back in at that time. And Jesus chose somebody like that. Why? It's as if Jesus was reaching out to everybody. And you know why he did that? Because he was reaching out to everybody. And some of the categories that we create about those who are outside looking in might lead us to believe that certain people just need not apply when it comes to God. And part of the Christmas story is what we see on full display in Jesus' life as well, that what God was doing and the invitation that was extended was for everyone. But let's start with this idea. The Bible is not a story about the goodness of people. And over and over again, what you see in the stories of the Bible are not these, you know, sort of fables that we have in our day where we talk about the good values of people and these are the values that we should emulate and be like that person. Instead, what we see is all the broken humanity on full display and a God reaching down saying, follow me, come to me. So the Bible is not a story about the goodness of people. The Bible is a story about the goodness of God reaching down into a world like ours. And who is he reaching out to? God invites everyone, even the least and the last. And that is part of the Christmas story. The Christmas story that for many of us, especially those of us who grew up around church, becomes so familiar that maybe we even miss the message and the wonder that is contained in it because we can almost say it like, you know, maybe we said the Pledge of Allegiance back in school. And I don't know about you, but you know, when they say, okay, stand and pledge allegiance and I could pledge allegiance, say all the right words in the right order and still be studying for my English vocabulary quiz that was gonna come up right after homeroom. And we say those words and it just flows out of us and we don't have any connection to what it really means. And so hopefully during this season as we look at some of these familiar stories, we recapture just a measure of wonder. So let's jump into the story, Luke chapter 2. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And I don't know how many of you, if you grew up around church, ever had to play a shepherd. Let's take a little bit of a quiz. How many people ever dressed up in your dad's bathrobe, had a towel on your head, and, you know, had to be a shepherd? Okay, I did. 
and, but it was better, you know, than being Joseph because if you were Joseph when you were a kid, it meant that you were married to Mary and that was just, you know, horrendous. And so it was better um, to be a shepherd there. And it's a little bit more ironic. You know, I think we have images of what shepherds look like in our day, right? They're just kids who kind of look a little bit weird and they're wearing glasses as if that was there 2,000 years ago. And it's even funnier when you dress guys up and they're wearing bifocals and Nike sneakers, you know, like that was something back in the day. Um, but we have these images of what shepherds look like in our day, but we need to understand what it was like back then. Now, if you know anything about the Old Testament, you know that a guy by the name of David, pretty well-known guy, King David in the Old Testament, he was a shepherd for a while. And being a shepherd was a good thing. It was, you know, a common thing. It was not in any way negative. But by the time we get to Jesus' birth at Christmas, the whole shepherding industry has gone downhill in the eyes of the culture. And here's why. Because there was this movement this movement between when the Old Testament ended and the New Testament began, where there were all of these rules and regulations around the idea of what does it mean to take God really seriously? And the list was long. And if you were a shepherd, you could not do many of the things that were on the list. And so in the eyes of the culture at the time, these were the people who did not care about God. They had no chance with God and by the time that the story unfolds, these are viewed as some of the lowest rung people in the culture of that day. In the first century, if you were a woman and you could not find any, you know, reputable means of income, you became a prostitute. If you were a guy in the first century and you couldn't find a reputable means of income, you became a shepherd. And so to understand where these folks are in that time, is a really important part of this story. Because for us, shepherds are really neutral, but back then, they were not. Here's a couple things that shepherds could not do. First of all, they could not testify in court. And you know why? Because they were considered completely unreliable. These were often foul-mouthed, rough around the edges, in-your-face kind of people. In today's context, these would be like Philadelphia sports fans. You know, they're just <laughs> brutal. And I speak to that from firsthand experience. Um, they were rough. And in a court of law, nobody took them seriously. You can't trust those guys. I mean, these are the guys who don't take God seriously. They don't take anything seriously. They're not even trying. And so we're not going to take their word for it. Their word isn't worth anything. And because of what they did, they were also not allowed to worship at the temple or the synagogue. And the temple had a lot of restrictions with it, and we might understand that. But the synagogue was sort of in, in our um, you know, context, like being a church. They weren't even allowed to go there. Why not? Because they couldn't jump through any of the hoops that came along with it. You need to show up at the deal. You need to be at the meeting. You need to bring those sacrifices. Well, we're out tending sheep. We can't do any of that. Okay, well, your kind need not be... Uh, applying here. No shoes, no shirt, no service, no shepherds either. It was really the reality of what life was like for them. We know about the Bible, the Old Testament, and the New Testament. 
And I'm not sure if you're aware that there's also in the Jewish culture a collection of writings referred to as the Talmud. And the Talmud is a collection of rabbinical writings, sort of like commentaries on the Bible and on life. And as people were looking for direction, okay, we understand what the Bible says. How do we make this real? How do we apply this? How do we live this out day to day? Here's one statement in the Talmud. No help is to be given to heathen or shepherds. And they were viewed basically in the same category. Heathens, shepherds, need not apply. And so all of a sudden, in the middle of this Christmas story, here's a bunch of shepherds out in the field, doing their thing, outside, looking in to everything in their culture and especially spiritually speaking. And then this happens. And an angel of the Lord appeared to who? To them. To those people, to those people that culture had written off and said they have no shot when it comes to the goodness of God or God's favor. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, it's as if to emphasize the point of what God is doing on this night. Who is it for? It's for them too. Fear not, for behold, I bring you Good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And if you want the central message of what happened at Christmas, it's right there. Good news, great joy for all the people. Even them, even them. And isn't it interesting that the very first message went to them, to people in the bottom rung, to people on the outside looking in. What is God up to? Good news of great joy for all the people. And it gets pretty personal for them. Who is this news for? Well, it's for you, shepherds. And you know what that means today? It's for you and for you and for you and for you. It's for you. I think, though, in the world in which we live, when good news happens... We understand that many times that also brings bad news for somebody else, right? If there's a war and one side wins the war, well, that's good news for them. Well, somebody lost, and so that's bad news for them. I think we understand that in our context. You know, for instance, this year, the Las Vegas Raiders are having a bad year. And that's bad news for the Raiders. It's good news for the rest of America. Um, just, you know, put it out there. Right, but good news for somebody means it's bad news for somebody else. God, how can what you are doing be good news for all the people? How does that work? Because if something good happens, it must be something bad for somebody else. Here's what the message is. For unto you, unto who? Unto you. Unto them, unto those people, unto them. And unto you, unto you, unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. So God, what you have been talking about and predicting for hundreds of years, what the centerpiece of all of history is about, that divides our calendar between B.C. and A.D., and I know we live in a day where now it's B.C.E., before Common Era, and after that, but you know what? It's still the same reference point. And God splits our calendar by this event. And who is that for? For you. And for a bunch of shepherds. And for people on the outside looking in who wonder if they have any chance with God.
And what was announced to them on that night, make no mistake about it, this was not an invitation to a new religion. What is religion? It's good advice. Religion is the way in which we can work our way into God's good graces. Here's what you need to do. Here's the list you need to keep. Here are the things where you need to show up. Here's all that you need to bring along with you. Here are the many ways in which you need to perform. And that is not what was said on that night. Instead, good news, it's good news of great joy for all the people. Good news literally translates to gospel. And what do you do with news, right? When there's news that is out there, you don't make the news. You don't, you know, perform the news. You can receive the news. You hear it. And you can choose to believe it or not. And on that night, it was good news of great joy. For who? For all the people. For unto you and you and you, a Savior has been born. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, a baby burrito, and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts. So there was one angel at the beginning of this story. Now the sky is lit up with all kinds of angels, a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. And we might even wonder at the end of that, okay, well, doesn't that raise the question, with whom is he pleased? But the very message on this night makes it clear. You know what God is doing here? God is bringing his favor. And everyone is invited. It's good news of great joy. And we can choose to believe it or not. But his favor has been extended to all. So what are you to do if you're a shepherd and you hear this? When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Now let's put ourselves in the place of the shepherds here just for a little bit. What would they have felt like in light of who they were and how they understood themselves within the context of their culture? couple things, I think, around this, and I think this is where it begins to relate, you know, to where we might be. They felt unworthy, that they just weren't even trying. They weren't keeping the list. They weren't measuring up. People had writ them, written them off. They felt inadequate in many ways. Their job kept them from even being able to do what was expected of them. And so maybe in their own minds, they thought, we have no shot in light of what we do. And they were unloved. Many of them, because of what they chose to do, were cut off from their families because their families were very committed to God and the cultural understanding of what it meant to be serious about God and to follow God, and they were not doing that, and so relationships were broken. And many times all they had was each other. And I wonder if there's anybody here, or there's anybody watching online who might feel one of those things, or maybe a couple of them, or maybe all of them. And maybe even in our own minds, we've written ourselves off thinking, yeah, the things of God are for the people of God and who do it in a certain way, but that's not me. That's not where I've been. That's not what I've done. And I hope that you hear the message that they heard on that night. This is good news of great joy 
for all the people. For unto you, unto who? Unto you. Unto who? Unto you. A Savior has been born. That message is not just a general message. It's a specific one. And it has your name on it. I heard this story. It's a true story. It happened in a church where there was a young boy sitting in the front row with his mom. And the pastor was sitting over on the other side. And the church had put on sort of a musical with a choir singing the traditional songs of Christmas. And this boy, the pastor already knew, was completely deaf, so he couldn't hear anything. And you can imagine being a boy, you know, just to begin with, but if you can't hear what's going on, you're not going to be very engaged, and you're not going to be very attentive. And sure enough, he was squirming, and he was trying to find something to do and trying to entertain himself. And his mom, every once in a while, would pull him back up and, you know, tell him at least, you know, behave yourself, sit quiet, just watch. Well, the last song they did... The choir had been taught the sign language to hark the herald angels sing. And so as they sang this song, they were also signing out the words. And all of a sudden, this boy who's sitting in the front row, completely disengaged the entire time. Now he is locked in. And every once in a while during the song, he would turn over to his mom and he would sign to her and she would nod back to him and sign something. He would lean over to her again and be so excited and signing something. And pastor's watching this from the other side. And when the whole concert's over, he couldn't help himself. He goes over to the mom and he says, hey, I noticed that your boy was, you know, signing and communicating something to you when that choir was singing the last song. What did he say? And she said, he simply said, Mom, they're singing to me. They're singing to me. I think there's some shepherds 2,000 years ago who felt just like that. This message, they're singing to me. They're singing to us, to people like us. Yeah, to you and to you and to you. A Savior has been born. But we're on the outside looking in. We feel like this on most days. To you, a Savior has been born. I think what this helps us to understand is that God's good news begins with God's favor, not my behavior. Because if it did, some shepherds would never have heard what they did. But that's what God did. And that's what he was doing then, and it's what he does now. And perhaps if you are in that place where you have written yourself off or somebody else has written you off, I hope that you can hear that what God did is good news, a great joy for all people. And what did they do with that? Well, the first thing they did is they heard it. They listened. Right, we got again how they were afraid when the angel shows up and whenever angels show up in the Bible, people are afraid because they're mighty warriors. They're not little babies in diapers shooting love arrows into people. They, they are scary and people are afraid. But greater than their fear was their ability to hear what God was saying. And it was something that didn't say, you know what? Now we understand that. That's great. Let's tuck that away for another day. 
Now they understood this means something to us right here, right now. And so they heard what God was saying. And if you felt unworthy or inadequate or unloved, I hope that you can hear God's message to you. And we might even have some fear about what does it mean if I respond to who God is and what he's inviting me to be a part of. I hope that you hear the message louder and clearer, even than the fear that we may hold. The other thing is that they responded, right? They went. They didn't write it in a notebook and tuck it on a shelf. They went in God's direction and they went and found Jesus and experienced that. Goes on to tell us after that, they were telling everybody they met what they had experienced. And so could it be that if we hear God's message, that there's a step that's needed to move in God's direction, could that maybe be it's time to step across that line of faith and trust and to take God's message to heart and not just know that it's out there, but to realize that it has my name on it? Because after all, he came for you and for you and for you and for you. Maybe it's getting involved in the things of God. Maybe it's taking God at his word about different ways that we can just seek to honor him and follow him. Hear his message. Respond to his message. Move in God's direction. But let's make no mistake about it. God's good news. Where does it begin? Then begin here. It begins with God's favor. And that invitation to all people, good news of great joy for all people, still extends. Would you bow your heads together with me as I pray? God, thank you for your great love for us and reaching down into this world of ours and how easy it is, God, for us to think about you the same way that we often experience this life of ours where there are categories and ways in which our culture understands who's who and who's in and who's out. But God, may we hear your voice above all of that. And at this time of year, may we see your invitation to all people. And God, thank you for love that sometimes seems over the top, almost too much, maybe even a little bit reckless because it just seems too good. And yet, it is your heart on full display. And so God, may we hear your invitation. May we respond to it and move in the direction towards you in whatever way you have for us. And God, thank you for your great, great love extended to each and every one, your good news. And we ask and pray all of this in Jesus' name, amen.